0: How is everybody this morning? Good, good. Says, so Yeah, I'm glad you're here. Man, that is right. Well, as we learn uh, to live and love as Jesus did and does, our passage today accelerates all of that in a way that uh, may be kind of mind-boggling and we might want to, in one glance, just kind of like go, that was for them, it's not for now. But hold on uh I think that it is it was for them then and it is for us now just as much as it was for them then and for us today but the only way uh that you and I can actually live out as followers of Jesus the way that he is purposed for us is by the Holy Spirit so let's just take a moment and uh Just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us in these next few moments. These are challenging words and we need his help uh, to uh, not only listen to them but even to put them into practice. Father, thank you. Thank you for giving your son for our restoration and our salvation. Jesus, thank you for your willing sacrifice and submission to your Father's will for us to be well, restored to the Father and to yourself. And Holy Spirit, we are grateful for your empowerment, yet we ask you in these moments that as we listen to these words, that Father, you would fill us afresh and you would give us courage to live out what you are calling us to live out in our day. Father, we ask this in the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So are you the type of person who uh, likes and enjoys people who tell long circuitous, circuitous routes to their destination? like they're telling a story or they're traveling somewhere and they like to take the side roads and the back roads, the dirt roads you've never been on before or when they're talking about things, uh, they're sharing something with you, they begin to tell you a story but then they, they have this rabbit trail and that rabbit trail they're all good and you laugh and you enjoy them but you're realizing, wait a second what's the point? Where are we getting to? In fact some of you are going what's the point now? Well The point that I'll get to in a second is that Jesus does not take the long, circuitous route that we often think he does. Uh, That he's very direct. In fact, uh, I would say even kind of uh, offensive to our ways of thinking. But I would say that we all need porch time. We all need that time when we sit on our porches with uh, a a big glass of iced tea or lemonade or glass of water, whatever it may be for you. And we just sit and we allow, uh, allow our souls to catch up with us, right? You've probably heard this uh, proverb, Paul Bothwick, Bothwick says this, uh, European missionaries serving in Africa a century ago hired local villagers as porters to help carry supplies to a distant station He says, imagine Mombasa or Lake Victoria. The porters went at a slower pace than the missionaries desired. Yep, that's us. We want things to keep going, right, at a fast pace. So after the first two days, they pushed them to go faster. On On day three of the trek, the group went twice as fast as day two. Around the campfire that evening, the missionaries congratulated themselves for their leadership abilities. Isn't that the American way? We got them to do what we wanted them to do. But on that on day 4 the workers would not budge. <laughs> What's wrong? asked the missionaries. We cannot go any further, replied the villagers. Why not? Everyone looks like they're doing well. They're they're holding up well. Yes, yes, says the African to the European. But we went so quickly yesterday that we must wait here for our souls to catch up with us. I, I like more direct conversations. I like more direct routes. I- I'm, a- I'm a destination vacationer. Almost until I'm-, until I'm where I'm planning to be, I don't relax. Uh, I-, I-, I tend to be a little wound uh, that way. Um, unlearning some of those bad patterns by the way they are bad they're not healthy for us but I would guess that some of us in the summer months I want to advocate that we need what I've called just porch time we need that time to sit and allow life to catch up with us we do need those moments uh, in us in spite of what I'm going to say the rest of the message that Jesus was and is direct a lot of times we take he is grace-filled, but his grace is with truth. As uh, if you're going along with us on the fifty days of journey through Luke and Acts, you will find as Dr. Luke writes, even in Luke, as we're going to find in Matthew, that Jesus was clear and direct about what he spoke. While he used parables, and we may think they're riddles uh, and confusing They were only confusing to those who were not wanting to hear in the first place. His desire for us is not to live a undefined, undirected, unintentional life, but really an intentional life. And his aim was to be clear with his followers, of which we're going to find in these next next few moments if you didn't already by the reading. Matthew records in Jesus's manifesto, uh, Jesus' Manifesto, which is Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5 and 7. These are, these are about the kingdom. They're talking about what kingdom dwellers are like, right? Their characteristics. And in chapter 10, in the biography of Jesus, if you've never thought about it, that's exactly what Matthew's doing here. Matthew writes Jesus' directions to his disciples, which I've entitled, Put It Into Practice. Just put it into practice. What you've seen, you're going to put into practice. So just succinctly said, when Jesus invites us to follow him, it is his kingdom life we are to live as if he were us. I want us to think about that. It's it's not real profound. I get it. It's just a simple statement. But I don't think that that's the way we live. I don't think that's the way we think. That's not the way we go about life. Isn't it great that they're practicing right up above and you guys are like thinking the Lord's going to come? Okay. all right. <laughs> While we read the Gospels as a biography of what God did for us, it also is a path of practices for those who follow him, who declare that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. And while Jesus was continually bringing heaven to earth through his teaching, as we have already read and we've already gone through, if if you're new to us today or you're newer to us, we have been traveling through Matthew and we're just to chapter 10 and I don't even know how many months we've been going at it, but a while. And we've been watching Jesus bring the kingdom. But as he brings the kingdom, as he gives this authoritative and amazing passages of teaching right he teaches and as he heals there's something he expects his disciples those who are followers of him to pick up on and pick up on really quickly as we'll notice here that they are to do the very same things it is not to bypass them but it was it is to be passed on to them and as we read just a few moments ago he gets done with the miracles and it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness that we are to pray for kingdom workers. We can see that this sentence is just what Jesus said. We need to ask the question, why did Matthew place it here? You know, we need to ask, why did he do all these things? It becomes a summary statement, a setup, as I've been leading into, to, to become what he was for those around us, as we just sang about. In Matthew 9, 35 through 38, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. He says that we should should pray for workers. Matthew wants us in this moment to capture what Jesus is about. It is a setup. Writers do this all the time. They lead us to a point to then put us into another place. These people were beaten up without hope. There was a lack of grace, there was no peace. And the question is for us in this moment what do we do? Because Jesus is asking the same thing what what needs to happen? And he says, pray for workers. Pray to the Lord of the Harvest to send workers. Ask him for the one. Ask him to send people to those who are beat up around you. Isn't that crazy? Some of you probably feel pretty beat up right now. It's been a tough week, some way, shape, or fashion. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you have Jesus. You have the rescue for your souls and the rest for your heart, the grace for your for. All you need, the, the, the place you know to carry your uh, confessions to and get forgiveness. But what Jesus knew is that people around us don't. They don't have that. And he says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Pray that they will know Jesus. The one who can bring rest and peace to a soul's heart in the midst of traveling this globe so let me ask you this as before we get too far in if you have your connect cards you might want to pull them out because i'd love to know if you have one online uh you can fill it out there but i want to ask you as jesus puts it in front of us and he put it in front of them are you going to pray to the lord of harvest for workers how many of you would be willing to pray to the lord of of harvest for workers good good if you're willing to do that just let me know because we'll we'll make sure that uh, you know that we're you know I just want to know who's in I want to know who's partnering in the harvest of those who will harvest for Jesus and be a part of it. But I think this again was all set up by Matthew and maybe even by Jesus, and we'll find this out a little bit later. Uh, Jesus, Jesus was uh, very. Uh, very good and very intentional about his word choice because he says pray to the Lord of the harvest and I think he's speaking to the disciples around him and guess what he does next you, we read a little bit of it we didn't read all of it he lists the 12 disciples and then he says guess what you are the kingdom workers you've just answered your own prayers it is just a wonderful thing. So, we are, if you didn't know this, you didn't figure this out, we are the kingdom workers. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a kingdom worker. Matthew, Matthew is crafting this gospel with the Holy Spirit, with the wisdom and empowerment of the Holy Spirit to get our attention, to grab us. Do you want to be about healing? You want to be about raising the dead? You want to be about amazing, uh, you know, amazing. Teaching and powerful teaching, giving grace, seeing res- rescue, re- uh, rescue, res- uh, rescue uh, restoration, there we go, and salvation in people. Are you desiring to see that around you? Well, you're it. You're it. There is no plan B. <laughs> and again, as we've already said, we're not reading all of chapter 10 today, but we've I've picked out... Uh, Specific verses that I think illustrate the rest of the verses, and they may not. You can argue with me later about that. I'd love to have that conversation, uh, but I want to pick up in verse five. It says these twelve, Jesus sent out with the following instructions: Do not go among the Gentiles or any inner town, any town of the Samaritans. We can talk about that later, but it's it's really mute at this point. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel, or Right now, let's interpret it. Let's go to the world. As you go, proclaim the message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Do you feel empowered this morning? Do you feel empowered? Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. What have they, not you, what have they been freely given? What is it that these 12 have experienced? They have received the kingdom. Uh, can you imagine being a, a fisherman? Maybe we can't. We don't grasp it. We're not in their culture. We're not in their day. But can you imagine being a, a fisherman and a rabbi that everybody's, everybody's amazed at? His teaching they're amazed at. He walks up to you and says, I want you. I want you to come and be a part of my tutelage. My tutelage. I want you to be a part of that. You're a tax collector. You're an outcast (laughs) to to the Romans. You're an outcast to your own people. And he says, I want you. I want you to be a part of it. Do you think that they have received rescue, (laughs) restoration? They have received all of that. They are receiving in the moment and already have cleansing and sanity and humanity that they'd never experienced before because they're now a part of a a community of people that they're, they're wanted, they're valued, they're seen. But let me ask this Does this list that he gave to them look familiar to you? If you read today's Luke passage, I did not plan this, by the way. If you read today's Luke passage, you will see the list. Is Jesus's list for him that you have, you have from, you know, you have, you've seen this before you. I'm here to free the oppressed in one statement. He is now handing the same authority over to those who are following. Go and do likewise, free them. While the disciples cannot go to the cross, cannot pay the price for sins, cannot, cannot walk out of a grave, Jesus is the only one who will be able to do that. Jesus gives every other potential to his followers who come after him. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that powerful? Isn't that just, wow, Jesus, really? Really? So when I see somebody sick, I'm supposed to pray that they are healed. Yes. When I see that somebody needs help, justice, mercy, I'm supposed to extend that hand to them. Yes. But he says there are things that come with this directive, if you will, this pronouncement to put it into practice. Every time my kids go somewhere or do something uh, that they've not done before, there's something inside of me as a father who kind of says, hey, maybe I should give them a few heads up about, hey, this is what you might find around the next bend. This is what may happen when you do Uh, do that, right? My kids travel outside of the country. Like, hey, you might want to think about this, this, and this. I don't know about this specific country, but we'll have those conversation, right? Oh, you you know, if, if you're thinking about having kids, let me tell you about children babies that is uh, let me tell you that you might be thinking want to think about those things right uh, how about buying a house you sat down with your kids and going oh you want to buy a house if they let you into that right yeah, there's there's a permission in but you you want to share with them what you know dating i mean all of these things we're like as a good father i want to do that as as Kathy and i as good parents we want to be able to pass on what we've learned and hopefully avoid some of the mistakes that we've made Now, Jesus doesn't have to avoid all the mistakes, but Jesus does want to do this very same thing with those who are his followers. He wants to give them directions or guidance about what is going to come next when they lead into a life of following after him. And I love the very fact that this comes natural. It's It's not abnormal to want to share with your kids out of a loving heart, hey, you might want to think about a few of these things, Right? But it comes from him. And the interesting thing, we need to pair this up, is that Jesus gives them these directions and they have been authorized and deputized into the supernatural. Can you imagine? I mean, he's like, I want to I give you this. It's, it's like handing your, handing your car keys to your child for the very first time. And you want them to be safe and come home. But you also may want them to realize that in using that car, which is several thousand pounds depending on what your car is, uh, a vehicle that not only do you want them to come home, but you want everybody else around them to come home safe and sound too, right? I I think Jesus' directions are in that for us, this great love and desire. So, here he goes. Verses 9 through 11. Do not get any gold or silver or Or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey, or an extra shirt or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. So, friends, uh, leave your wallet at home. Those extra shoes, ladies, that you were thinking about packing, don't pack them. Uh, that, you know, that staff or whatever. I mean, he's saying this journey is a reliance on me, on what I have already prepared for you that you're going to experience. My desire is that you rest in me. Again, I want, if if you want to pair uh, two passages of Scripture, ch- chapter 10 of of Matthew and then Sermon on the Mount, 5 through 7, need to be paired together to understand what Jesus is really doing for us. It really, you know, we kind of have fun with this. The, The song, I don't even know who sings it. I probably should. But, you know, Jesus Take the Wheel, right? This is really what he's talking about. When I was a youth pastor, it seems like a century ago, we would do an abundance of youth group games where we would work on what it would mean just to trust each other. Group building games. I don't know if you remember those. We would do trust falls, play games with variables to change the community, community dynamics so they could never win, but they would always have to work. I mean, this is what Jesus is doing with his disciples. He is creating a community in which dependent upon him is essential And if we're not careful as followers of Jesus, we weigh ourselves down with the unnecessary. And he's saying, don't be weighed down. Don't be weighed down. Jesus has been leading and teaching his disciples about trust and faith in him and in him alone, not even in themselves. Not in what they could touch, taste, see, and feel. Because the movement of God is dependent upon what God desires to bring about his restoration, salvation, and his holiness to the world in which he desires to know, for the world to know. Their reliance on what they had tangibly needed needed to be challenged, and their dependence on him needed to be raised to another level. Think about this. Every healing that they saw had to be counterintuitive to their senses. Every single one of them. Are you serious? You're going to heal a blind man? He's been blind for a long time. This is, what? Oh my. Right? What? Those people should be sick or dead. All of them. If it was left to the disciples. Now think about that. Maybe up to that point. Maybe they were growing in that. But as we referenced earlier, if they were truly honest with themselves, looking around the circle of misfits that they were in that, in that circle, and if you don't feel like you're in a, a misfit of some sort that Jesus is allowed in, uh, let the Lord, let the Holy Spirit come in and reveal this to you. you just, he doesn't deserve, He doesn't have to give you the grace and mercy and love, but he did give you the grace and mercy and love of Jesus. So Jesus tells them to leave all that behind so that they can grow in their dependence, their trust and faith. It is probably the, I think it's true, Uh, I've been wrestling with this for probably over 10 years now, but there's only one thing in our spiritual walk that grows, it's trust. That's it. I mean, we may grow in knowledge, but really trust is the thing that God wants us to grow in, that's the only thing. So every event that we have in our lives is meant to grow our trust and dependence on him. One of our missionaries uh, last week wrote in an article from our, our creative access countries, uh, wrote that they had run out of food in their kitchen and this country had been in lockdown. And uh, at this point, she could run out and get food, but she was realizing that in previous situations where they had run out of meat specifically, they had run out of meat, she was like, no, no, Nope, I don't sense that the Spirit... Now, this is, this is be counterintuitive to some of us. I don't sense that the Spirit wants me to go to Kroger today. I'm putting it in our language. And so she just prayed, Lord, you know our need. You know what we need. And within the days out, they already had, they had three bags of groceries delivered to them, and in it were meat and some other things. I mean, it's just incredible. I was like, uh, <laughs> Julie, you have just... The accelerator in my heart. You've challenged me to consider what I think I need over what you want to give. So, what do you need to leave behind? You see, uh, seriously, if we want more money, we just go to the bank. We put it on our credit card. We want something. (laughs) I mean, Oh, Lord, how do you want to grow our dependence? How do you want to do it? What is it that you need to leave behind and trust Jesus for? He moves on and says, hey, friends, uh, be on your guard. The scripture reads this way. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local council councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them. Did you hear that word? Witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry. Oh, did you capture, capture all that? you're going to get arrested to be a witness and it's not because you've done anything illegal. I don't think that way. Just saying. Do not worry about what to say or how to say it? At that time you will be given what to say and it will, be, it will, not, will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. jesus never told us not to go he just told us to know know there are wolves and sheep that there will be dangerous places you will walk into but the crazy of this is he says be smarter than be smarter than (laughs) some of the sheep i guess be shrewd as snakes right be innocent as dove you we have the ability these adversaries are, are both in the community. These people are both in the community and in the community of faith. Did I say that out loud? I didn't mean to. No, I did, actually. They, they like the status quo. They like the status quo. They are concerned that too much restoration, salvation, and healing may upset the balance of power. This is what's transpiring when Jesus enters the scene. It upsets the way they want things done, and the who's in power, who's in control. We have to remind ourselves: Jesus leaves the ninety-nine to go look for the what? The one <laughs> actuaries will tell you to le- let the one go and dine with the whining ninety-nine. Again, did I say that aloud? Hopefully, you know I love you. The message of the kingdom alters the atmosphere everywhere it's brought. Everywhere it's brought. When it's brought with kingdom authority, with power, and it's there to do restoration, it will change the atmosphere in a room. So, I'm just stating what Jesus has already stated to them and I believe that he's giving to us, doing Jesus' harvest work will bring op- opposition. It will bring opposition. It's just the way it is. Yet as followers, we are to be shrewd as snakes. Now, to dive a little bit deeper into this, Luke chapter 16, some of it, we'll get to this a little bit later in our reading, tells us of a story of a guy who, owned, who owed a lot of money to his master. He just owed uh, way more money than he could ever repay. And in the story, this dishonest man who owed his master a lot of money, was commended by Jesus for his shrewdness. It is, it is a confusing little story, to say the least. But this is what comes out of it. Jesus seems to indicate to us the use of the, world's, uh, the use of wisdom for godly gains, without the corruption of the souls is the way to go. Did I, did you catch that? I mean, that we actually have the ability not to just resolve ourselves to just being just innocent doves, but to be shrewd managers when we're walking and talking with the world around us. That we should use it in that way. That opposition will be there, but there's, there's opportunity if we're willing to take the extra steps and to listen to the Spirit and walk into them. When you are brought in, because you bring the reality of the kingdom's life over death, this is is what's transpiring. This is the spiritual realm that we're talking about. When we bring life over what is dead, he also tells us in this short passage, don't worry about the words you need to say. They will be given to you. From who? They'll be given to you by the Holy Spirit. They, he will give you the words to say in those places and spaces when you feel like you're caught, he will give you the words to say just as he gave them to Paul, just as he's given them to many others throughout the years and centuries since. This is the place and space when we're found in those tight corners where faith grows. It seems as if Jesus is trying to tell us, do the work. Don't worry about the words. Just do the work of the kingdom and trust me. Trust me. Grow in your dependence on me as a follower. He moves on, verse 32. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. I think in this day and age, uh, it could be said this way, say his name. Say his name. Remember, Jesus is sending them out to do the work of the harvest. He has given them authority to proclaim and give the kingdom away. Uh, restoration, salvation, healing, and the like. They will be in situations, and many of them, where fear is real. He's, he's not bypassed at all. You, we often... Kind of gloss over that as uh, in our discipleship process. We want, oh, Jesus will keep me. It won't be that tough. Uh, no, he doesn't say that at all. He actually says that there will play, be places and spaces in which fear is real, but fear is not greater than me. Fear is not greater than my love. People did eventually harm the disciples. All but one of the disciples, we believe, died as a martyr for Jesus. But they understood and came to realize that his love for them was far greater than the harm that anyone could do to his body. Read chapter 10. You'll read it in there. And we should not be afraid to insert Jesus' name, God's name, with the authority that he has given to us in any conversation we so deem and the Spirit so decides that we should. He makes it clear, if you omit my name, with the authority that I've given to you, I think there's a pairing here. There's a reason why I'm pulling those together. He's asking the question, do we really even know each other? Do we know each other? If you're willing to kind of like, eh, I don't know if that guy really needs to know Jesus. (laughs) Do you not know what I've done for you? I told you this is pretty straightforward, very direct teaching by Jesus but I want to ask this question it's kind of a kind of odd question but it's one we've tossed around here in Ipsy Free uh, for a few years how's your gospel fluency how's your gospel fluency let me ask it this way who or what do you really love who or what do you really love what do you talk about the most now I'm not. This is not meant to bring condemnation or guilt or anything. But if that comes, then that's let the spirit take it where it needs to go. But who do you love, or what do you love the most, and what do you talk about when you hit the lobby? Now, okay, that's not fair. Yeah, that's that's appropriate, Malcolm. <clears throat> what do you talk about the most? For me, if you hang with me long enough, you'll hear stories about uh, my kids. And my wife, uh, you'll hear how, I, how Kathy has told me this, or we learned this, we did this together. I mean, you'll hear stories of this intermingling of my life with my wife and uh, my kids when they're around, right? And every once in a while, I'll get excited about something that doesn't make any rhyme or reason difference and get stuck on that. That's why I put the what in there. You know, sometimes we get excited about the what's. They need to be moved. But I think our gospel fluency has to do a lot with our love affair with Jesus. And that may be a little direct, and it may be a little more intimate, but I think this is what Jesus is saying, that if you wear, if you wear my name, remember the Ten Commandments, if you wear the Father's name, then you should be bold enough to be able to declare that you do. You should be willing to bring that into a conversation piece. And when somebody says, man, that's a, you know, that's a wonderful garden. And you go, appropriate, right? You have to know your audience. You have to know your people. Jesus did this all the time. But at some point, are you going to let them extol your praises when you know the God of all creation grew that, that fruit? And that's the same thing with every other thing in our life. If we're willing to take the praise, honor, and glory for what God has really done, do we really know God? Do we really know him? And he's like saying, I'm going to send you out. Don't omit my name. Don't do that because there are other things that can backfill on that that are not healthy. I love this he says this last and we'll finish up lose your life for jesus and you will live we know this whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me whoever finds their life will lose it and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it can i can i just say jesus is aware that the kingdom of god is not natural to the way we would probably normally live he, he understands that. He's making that very aware. It's counterintuitive to the way I would naturally, naturally react to things, given my own sin state, my own uh, saying uh, out of restorative ways. It's counterintuitive to the ways of my ways, and that's why we don't blame it on the world around us, right? But counterintuitive to the ways of the world. And it's all because of the invasiveness of sin. So he's asking, "Who who are you going to follow? Who are you gonna, you're going to you're going to do the work of every day, taking up my take up your cross and follow me, right? Are you going to do that? Because it does take that intentional decision on a daily basis to do that. I think he gets at the end. He said, "Look, I'm sending you out, but I want to tell you who are you're going to follow. Who are you going to follow? Jesus had been walking these 12 towards this point and he's asking them, just like he poses to us, are you ready to put it into practice? Are you ready to put my life into practice? Let's take a couple of minutes here and review a few items from this expansive text I want to bring this question back to you. When Jesus invites us to follow him, or it's not a question, a statement. When Jesus invites us to follow him, it is his kingdom life we are to live as we, he were us. It's just a statement. I want it to hang there. It hangs next to the, the last scripture I gave to you. But I want you to wrestle with that. I I really don't, you know, I think most of us are in following Jesus. But is this really our heart's desire. I want to ask, next question would be, what, what do you need to leave behind to be able to put in into practice? What are you dependent upon that's not Jesus? What do you talk about more than you talk about or think about or spend time with Jesus. If Jesus told them to leave their common currency home, he told them to leave their change of clothes, sandals, and extra stuff. what is he asking us in this moment? I'm reminded of Paul's words in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 to 14. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straightening toward what is ahead. And I, I know the passage of Scripture has to do with a lot of other things, but I think this is what Jesus is saying. Are you going to grow in your dependence to me? I press on, Paul goes on, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Are you willing to be obedient to what I've called you to do? Are you willing to press on in complete uh, growing dependence? We always talk about complete open dependence. I think it's really just this idea of growing in our trust and our faith in him. Are we willing to do that? Uh, another statement that I think that we sometimes forget because I hear, I hear what I say, let alone what we say together sometimes, doing Jesus' harvest work will bring opposition. But let's not be surprised Let us work that out of our systems, that we're surprised that somebody would not want Jesus, the values of the kingdom, or the values of God's word to be brought forth. It's it's the way it is, and it will be until Jesus comes back. Let us not be surprised by that. And let us, in that process of not being surprised by it, let us not co-opt the culture around us. It's not shrink back from what Jesus has, he's sending the 12 out, shrink back from what Jesus has sent them out to do. Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, so if you think this is to be contentious at all, and I don't think it is, it's if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, Paul extols the Romans. In the midst of this cultural uh Malaise, if you will, that happens in, in Rome at the time. He's saying, Look, the gospel has its own merits to stand on. Don't create any more by holding your opinions. Hold Jesus. Let go of your opinions and allow Jesus to live through you. And he goes on in chapter 12 do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. With good. So while we can see that there are opposition and we can take up stances like, "Well, let's fight. No. It's like, no, no, grace and mercy and truth. It has a place. And his love overwhelms all of that. As a people who, again, wear the name of God as our father, we need to be willing to be people who speak his name. If it's for nobody else, can I just tell you, it might be just for you to remind yourself on a regular basis, you are God's child. You have made a decision. It is, it is, it is, your life is in his. And through that, I believe that as you continue to press in and press through and go out as the sent 12, that your joy will become greater than you ever imagined and ever expected because you'll see and experience things that you uh, would not otherwise. The joy of the kingdom will be yours. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for this challenging word and I'll be honest, Lord, I have often taken this passage of scripture and um, I I, I realize that it's, it's not just a word for the 12, but I have too often read it and went, oh, Bless those 12 and all who came after them and we're in that line. We're in the line of those 12 who were obedient to you, Father, and lived out what you called them to live out. And Father, if they lived out what you called them to live, the love of Jesus to the world, then Father, I want you to lead us in the same way as people who live in the community of Ypsilanti and Ann Arbor. Father, our neighbors need to know the love that we have for them through and for Jesus. There's there's people that are poor and powerless that we sang about earlier. Lord, they are the ones in whom you have been calling us to go to. And I love the fact that that poor does not mean rich and poor. Poor means without you. Period. It may involve some other things than there, but it means without you. And so Lord, would you send us? I love the songs we sang earlier. Would you send us? Send us to one person this week. Allow us to speak your name, to give your grace, to be your mercy and your peace as we live out your love. Mm. Father, we thank you. We thank you. The power of Jesus. Our Lord and Savior. Amen. Next few minutes.